You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. Well, good morning once again. Glad to have you guys with us. There we go. If you have your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 5. We're continuing our study through the Jesus's autobiography spoken through Mark. Uh, so yeah, welcome. We're glad to have you guys. We're excited. Uh, and let's take a minute and let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the people. Because Lord, what makes a church beautiful is not the pastor or the leadership or the programs that it runs. But Lord, what gives life to a church and beauty to a church is the people. So Lord, I do. I stand here in this moment with just this fresh and deep gratitude for each person in this room. Lord, whether this is their first Sunday here or if they've been here for, since the very beginning. And so, Lord, I do. I just pray that you would continue to bless us, Lord. That we would be a community that it continues to grow in loving one another and caring for one another. And constantly introducing people to Jesus and who he is and the beauty of who he is. And so we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was standing in the back while Kyle was giving you kind of some of the updates of what's going on. And my mind took me to this meeting that I got to have this week. I got to have a Zoom call with a pastor that I deeply love and respect. And he's had a a tremendous influence in my pastoral journey. And it was really cool because as I was talking with this guy, you know, and he's pastoring pretty fairly large church. And I was talking about our church and I was like, yeah, you know, we're, we're around 30 adults and, you know, 25 kids. And I was like, I just love it, man. I'm just loving who we are. And it just sparked this thing where I just I and I was like man I need to share that with you guys that I truly do love each of you and I'm very grateful for you and I feel very honored that you come here on Sundays to to come and worship together and I'm just I feel so loved and cared for by you guys and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you it's that hasn't always been my story in ministry and I'm just really grateful that I get to pastor such a sweet and truly beautiful church and so I wanted to make sure I remembered to say that before we we dove in this morning so Matthew or not Matthew sorry Mark chapter 5 starting in verse 1 Then they went across the lake to the region of Genezarene, where Jesus got out of the boat 
a man with an impure spirit came from the tomb to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he worked, or sorry, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. That The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. The people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Sitting there dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Verse 17, the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, the word of the Lord. This is one of those stories that's always really interesting. It's a really fun story to teach and to, to, to walk through. And it's also a story that can feel uncomfortable. And if we're honest, it's because it's a little strange for us. But I also believe this is an incredible story at the same time. And to bring us back into context of kind of what's been happening in the book of Mark up to this point, Jesus is preaching to this huge crowd that's hanging on his every word. They're excited. They've seen miracles. They want to they basically make him the king. And it's in that moment Jesus says, hey, we're going to leave. And they end up in the middle of this huge storm where the boat almost sinks and everybody's terrified and they, they're asking Jesus like don't you care that we die and Jesus speaks a word and it calms the storm and so they arrive and they pull up on the shore and they're not greeted with like flowers and food and and this welcome committee but instead they're greeted with a naked demon possessed man which I just think is like that is awesome that's a great way to start you're like leaving all this like fame and 
praise and glory, and then you're just, this is what you get. And honestly, when I read, the, when I think about the, the context and the narrative that's going on in this moment, I, I wonder in my mind, what are the disciples thinking at this point? Because they had been following him, and they had been amazed at watching him do all the things that he did. The way that he taught, the way that he cared, the way that he did miracles. They were also there, hanging on his word. And they've left everything to follow this man. This man that is this amazing teacher, this rabbi. And they leave all of it to follow him. And then they end up almost drowning and now they're being met by this naked man who's covered in cuts and scars and and is out of his mind. And I just put myself in the story. And if you think about it, if you put yourself in the story, you're walking with Jesus. What's your thought? Jeez, we need to get back in the boat. We need to go back to the other side because we were having a lot better turnout at the other side. But I think the thing that's powerful in this moment is Jesus is a personal God. He is not just the God of the nations or the God, the God of gods. But he is the God of you and he is the God of me. He is connected with us in a very personal way. And so this man comes out and he meets them. And this man is known in the region. It's not like nobody knew who this guy was. They knew him as a troubled individual, as a demon-possessed man. You know, he had this fascination with death and he's living in the cemetery. He's constantly crying out and screaming and cutting himself you know he's people had come to him to try to constrain him to keep him from hurting himself with chains and different things like that but in all their efforts it's pointless because he has this incredible strength so he would break through the chains and the the insanity would continue When I read these stories, a lot of times I try to pause and I try to ask myself, what's the story behind this person? Because it's easy for us to read the text and to see Jesus, he walks in and boom, the guy's healed and everything's fixed and everybody's happy and we're excited about it. But this demon-possessed man, he most likely had a family. He wasn't probably always this way. So what's the story that's going on here? Where did the enemy, where did Satan come in and, and find a way to really get a hold of this man's life in this way? And what I want us to see this morning is that this personal God, this Jesus, he doesn't run from the darkness. He doesn't run from the strange. He doesn't run from the uncomfortable, but instead he's willing to press in and walk towards it. 
to face it. This man was known for all of his flaws, but Jesus intentionally crosses the Sea of Galilee for him. And I want you to notice that it's intentional that he crosses and where he lands. Jesus is directing them where he wants to go as they're crossing the lake. It wasn't just like, hey, kind of go somewhere. But it was intentional that he did this. And we, as a church, we do. We believe Satan is real. We believe there are evil spiritual forces at work. And this, Satan's goal is always going to be to rob you of what God has for you, to steal what God has given you, and ultimately to utterly destroy you through lies and deceit. And this man is under the power of demonic forces. And some things I think that's important for us to notice about this man, because we can learn something about him. He's isolated. He's obsessed with death as he's living in the tombs. He has this superhuman strength where he's breaking chains and no one's able to get him under control. He has this pattern of wailing and, and cutting himself. And again, if we ask ourselves, if we see this individual in the street, would we stop? Would we check on them? Would we engage with them? Or would we turn? In our mind where we say, I don't, I don't really want to pretend like I see this person. Because the most difficult thing when we look at this story and this situation is that no one can help this man. The people had tried. They tried to shackle him. They tried to, to come alongside him. They tried to get him to come out of where he was at to find healing. But all their efforts were fruitless. And honest, if we're honest about that, that's really hard for us. Because that isn't the story we like. We like the Disney story where... There's a conflict, and then we come in, and then the, you know, it crescendos, and we fix the problem, and they're fine healing, and everything's good. But Satan is winning in this man's story. And his demons are at work still today, in here in Boise, in Garden City, in Meridian. And if we look at people in our community here in our city, I believe we actually can see that stuff. We can see that, that there is demonic powers that happen. We as a culture, we've labeled some of these things differently instead of recognizing them as demonic. And a lot of times when we do that, we like to put these big headings and most people will think I'm going to go down the route of talking about a political party or I'm going to talk about an educational system, or I'm going to talk about, you know, whatever the, the political agenda of the day is. But growing up, some of you don't know this about me, but I grew up near San Francisco. I was born in San Francisco, and I have a deep love for the city of San Francisco. And as you walk through the streets, it's a huge city. There's tons of people. There's also a ton of homeless and what you'll see is you'll see just these people that are just really isolated. You'll see people that are, that are homeless and stuck on the street and mumbling to themselves and not able to, 
to put together a sentence, to really be present. You'll see those that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and the effects that that has caused on their lives and on their stories. You'll see those struggling with really intense mental disorders. And usually they're trying to medicate those things with drugs and alcohol. And I want to be very clear, like I don't think, you know, there are mental disorders that I do think there is a a spiritual power in play at that moment. I don't believe all of them are. I do believe in mental health. I, you know, personally try really hard to take care of my own mental health. But I do think there are situations where you do see where someone has been given over or taken over in these moments. And we can easily label these people, right? We can say they're where they're at because of their decisions. They've made bad choices. They are where they're at because of their addiction. They're crazy. They're un- unhelpable. But the thing that I always come back to when I read this story is that Jesus intentionally goes to this man because he's trying to meet him personally. They are where they are because of their story. And so the thing about Jesus is he looks at this demon-possessed man and he makes him personal because he sees this man for who he is, that he is an Im- a fellow image bearer of God. This man isn't worth ignoring or turning away or avoiding altogether. And we can see those in our community. Here in Boise, we don't. We don't have the same kind of homeless and, and the, in, the intensity of the homeless population that you'll find out in northern and southern California. But man, I do think you'll find the isolated. I, will, I do think you'll find those struggling with addiction. Those that that's mental health struggles are really wreaking havoc in the lives of the people. And so these people, they're, they're worth our time. They're worth our hearts. They're worth our words because they are fellow image bearers of, of God. And I want to be very clear about this. I don't believe we can come in and help everyone that's struggling in these ways. But I do believe we can bring these individuals to Jesus and show these individuals who Jesus is by how we see them, by how we treat them, by what we say to them. And so the question I have for you this morning is, man, are you bringing Jesus to these people? And are you, and vice versa, are you bringing these people to Jesus because he's alive in you? And maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's not demonic oppression, but maybe it's just a relationship that, that the Spirit's trying to speak into your life of saying, man, you need to bring Jesus to this person. Because the heart of a follower of Jesus is to share those things with others. You know, Paul wrote this talking about the spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, For we, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The battle isn't the person. It is against the spiritual forces. When the demon-possessed man 
first comes up to Jesus, he cries out to him. He says, what do you want with me, Jesus? Don't torture me. And Jesus asks this man, hey, or he asks the demon, what is your name? And he says, my name's Legion, or many. And Jesus says, you're going to come out of this man. You're gonna, I'm going to make this man whole. And the demons ask Jesus this question. They go, well, don't let us just go into this, this herd of pigs. And as they go into these pigs, they run into the lake and they drown. And, and word begins to spread throughout the region. And so the town comes to Jesus and they see something. They witness something. They see a man that is made whole, a life that's transformed. This man who had been possessed now sits before the town fully changed. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And he's simply sitting there. And I love this picture because how many of us carry that story where our lives were radically transformed from the moment we met Jesus? I know that is my story. And I hope that's yours. But the townspeople were afraid in this moment because there, no one had been able to help this man. So in their minds, are like, what is going on? So those who had witnessed the events, they share what they saw. They're like, Jesus rolls up. He does. He, they have this little conversation. Jesus says, hey, you can go to the pigs. The pigs run into the ocean. They drown. And the town's kind of like, what? And they have this fear. And I think what's important to wreck just a little sidebar to, to point out about these pigs. It's not a small moment for this town. It's not like Jesus just walked in and healed an individual and everybody's like, this is amazing. Jesus walks in and heals this man and all these pigs run in. Why they're an important part of the story is that would have had huge consequences for this town. It wouldn't have been this thing that just kind of happened and it was fine. This would be the equivalent to a huge economic meltdown for their region. 2,000 pigs drowning in a lake would be a humongous financial loss. And it would honestly be incredibly hard to get a farm that was able to get to that point. And honestly, if you think about it for us today, if you were, at, were running a farm, if you lost 2,000 pigs, it would still be a really large financial hit. And so notice how the people respond to Jesus. They're not amazed that like all the other healings that we've read in the book of Mark. They beg him to leave. They're pleading with him. They're saying, Jesus, we want you to leave. And this is honestly why I believe this story is very relevant today. Because we do, we want Jesus as long as he doesn't really touch or change anything in our lives. If he doesn't mess with my comfort, if he doesn't mess with my security or my preferences on how I want to live, whether it's our finances, our sexuality, or how we are to love, live and love others, you know, the ethics of how we live as a person. If Jesus doesn't touch those areas, yeah, we're good. But for these people, Jesus represented losing a huge amount of their comfort, of their security. 
it would have taken time and energy and money to get this many pigs in the first place. And Jesus comes in and it's just gone in a moment. And they're like, I don't know who you are, but I kind of want you gone. Because I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. I don't know how we're going to make money. And in their minds, they're saying, if Jesus is going to bring more of this, I don't want this. And so church, this morning, I want to ask you, are we willing to allow Jesus to shape not just our theology and the things that we believe, but our ethics and how we live? This town, they fully reject Jesus because they believe he isn't worth it in their minds. And if Jesus is worth it, are you willing to submit all of your life to Jesus? Because Jesus is asked to leave and simply responds with, okay, I'll go. And as Jesus is getting into the boat, this demon-possessed man, or previously demon-possessed man, comes up to him and is begging him to become one of his disciples as well. And Jesus is, Jesus is asked, sorry, Jesus is asked three questions in this passage. First, the demons come to Jesus and they say, hey, can we go into the pigs? And Jesus looks at them and says, or him and says, yeah, you can do that. Go into the pigs. The town comes to Jesus and they say, hey, we want you to leave. Jesus looks at them and says, okay, I'll go. He's getting ready to get in the boat. And then this healed man comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> and I always think it's really interesting because it's like, why does Jesus say no to this man? This man wants to follow him. He wants to leave everything, his history behind him. And he wants a new start. He wants a new story. He wants to go and see this man and watch this man that has made a tremendous impact in his life and story. But Jesus says yes to the demon. But he says no to the man that wants to follow him. And it's because Jesus gives this man a mission. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man goes away and begins to tell everybody in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone's amazed because this man is given the task of telling everyone in the region about who Jesus really is. He didn't need to join the 12. The 12 was complete. Jesus didn't need another man to, to walk with him. He needed someone that stayed in the region to testify about the goodness and the faithfulness of who he is. How God was personal and met him in his darkest hour when no one else could. He needed someone to stay and to tell about the mercy God had given him. And I think that's a good word for us this morning because... Like I said, you're, we're probably not interacting a ton with demon-possessed people on the day-to-day -day basis. And I hope you're not. <laughs> that would be really bad. But we are dealing with people. We need to go and to share the mercy that God has had on us. And what God is continuing to do. Maybe you have a story similar to mine that's filled with abuse and drugs and alcohol and all sorts of wild living and just kind of doing your own thing and just being miserable in it. 
And then when I wake up in the morning and I see my four kids and I see my beautiful wife and the home I live in, the friends that I have, each of you that I get the opportunity to pastor, I don't have the life I deserve. God has been tremendously gracious in giving me what I don't deserve. Or maybe your story is that God has been delivering you from anger and bitterness and jealousy or a critical spirit. And you don't, that's what you're, the goodness that you're sharing is you're sharing that God is continuing to refine you and work in your story. Because if you, even if you come from a past like mine and you have a radical story of transformation, it does not mean that you're done. <laughs> he continues to work in those moments. Because the reality, church, is you don't need to have your theology down pat or be the most eloquent speaker to share Jesus with someone. All you need to do is be like this man to share about the mercy he has shown towards you. And I love that this man stays and he shares with his people. And notice that they're his people. These were the people he was rubbing shoulders with every day. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but it's easy. I much, it's easier for me to stand on a stage and to share Jesus with a room full of people than it is to go and sit in a room full of my neighbors and share Jesus with them. And it's because they're my people. They're the people that I see and I interact with. And I, rub, you know, I, it can change my life a lot if there's a, if there's a negative response. And it can be incredibly hard to share Jesus with these people. And I know for myself, this is something that I'm always constantly trying to grow in. And what I'm constantly reminded is that Jesus is wanting to connect with people in a personal way. And honestly, the way that he does that is through his people. He does it through you. And I need to share about how Jesus has had mercy on me and the blessings that he's brought to me. And how he was personal with this man. And he's personal with me. And he's personal with you. And so church, I do, I want to encourage you this morning that our God is a personal God. That he intentionally goes to the areas that are dark and the areas that we would rather not go because they're awkward or they're uncomfortable or they're difficult or they're full of sin or they're full of trauma. And he comes not with judgment or not with anger, but with grace and love, desiring to see each of us be healed and set free just as this man was and so let's take a moment and let's pray Father I thank you that you see the hearts and lives of your people I pray that you would continue your work that is so personal that is so intimate with these people and Lord, if there's something that, that's stirring in the hearts of your people, Lord, if there's a face or a name or there's someone that they feel they're supposed to speak a word over or encourage or 
just shoot a nice message to. Lord, I pray that they would follow through on those things. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see people that are isolated and we would have a heart that would want to bring them in. And that we would desire to see people made whole. Lord, I do. I feel like the people in this room have created a community that is so loving and so beautiful. But Jesus, I also pray that you would make us a community where lives are transformed. Where the, the, the dry bones are given fresh life. And so, Lord, may you make us like you. May you make us not afraid to go to the dark, to the challenging, to the difficult, but also to go to where people need love and grace in those dark moments. And so I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we close... I'm going to just leave the table open. So if you want to come and partake of communion, we, we usually take communion every Sunday as a, as a church community. And this week I was really feeling like I wanted to encourage each of us to come to the table personally with that mindset of that God is personal, that he wants to interact with you on a person, in a personal way. And so I do. I want to invite you to come to the table this morning. There will be some music that will be playing. But know this, as you go, may you go with Jesus' love and peace wherever your week takes you. May you bring the gospel to every business meeting, every child that you're raising, every moment and every conversation. May you bring the beauty of Jesus with you. Thank you so much for being here this morning, church. I love you and I appreciate you. Have a good morning. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Boise Community Church. To find more resources and information about Boise Community Church or to give to the mission of Boise Community Church, please visit us online at boisecommunitychurch.org. If you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the hope and joy of Jesus' love.